0: My name is Pastor Sheldon Miles. For those who are guests and those who are watching online in the 715 area code, we're glad that you are connecting with us this morning. And I have a good friend from California, a lady named Gail, who is watching us. Gail, I want to give a shout out to you who who you're watching with us this morning. And so a few few weeks ago, my friend Austin over there brought into the church a a couple boxes of these chocolate-covered espresso beans And from this morning's worship time, I would say that they found that stash of chocolate covered espresso beans this morning. Wasn't the worship team just awesome this morning? Can we just give them a shout out? Yeah, that was lively. That, that was great I appreciate you guys and and I'm so glad that everybody's here this morning and I uh, just want you to know if you are new and you brought kiddos this morning we have a children's ministry uh, just right outside that door take a left if you wanted to have your kids participate in that or also we have a youth ministry that meets in the second service and they meet upstairs and I think if you just go out the back door one of our ushers will catch you and they'll give you directions on on where to go with that so so glad that you're here this morning and uh, just I just want to make a couple announcements. Uh, first of all, you'll notice that there's some transitions that are going on in the building and I just want to give a shout out to to my good friend Nick Lafont and John Renard. You guys have been painting here all week and peeling wallpaper. Can we give them a shout out this morning? Yeah, we and it's all preparation. We're going to be getting the carpeting in here in in a a few weeks here, so we're excited about that. Also, we're going through a transition with our church bylaws, and uh, you should have I I mentioned that last week. So this week, today, not now, okay? You can go to our church website at thrive715.com and just check out the updated version of our, our church bylaws, and so we need your approval on that. So what we're going to do is give you a week to just take a look-see at that, and if you had any questions, you can contact me at the church this week or next Sunday we're going to open the doors here at 5 o'clock and have what I call a town hall meeting just to discuss the, the updated bylaws, okay? Not gonna, we can talk about anything else all day long, but not during that time. And then the following week on the 21st, at the end of the second service, if you are a member here at the church, we're going to have a special business meeting just to vote on the updated bylaws, okay? So if you have any questions on what I just said there, please catch myself or talk to Sandy at the end of the service, and we will get you the information that you need. And I'm also excited, tomorrow, March 8th, it marks one year that Michelle and I have had the honor to pastor this awesome church And we are just so grateful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It it has just been so surreal, everything that has happened. Again, getting here that first week on March 8th, and then on March 13th, shutting the church down, and it was just, that was awesome. (laughs) Never did anything like that before. And uh, we still feel like we're getting to know you and uh, Thrive Church is founded so much on relationships. And, and if you are, are coming back, or if you're watching online and you're thinking about coming back, I would still love to get to meet you and get to know you. Uh, I just believe Jesus is really into relationships, and, and I want to be a part of that as well. So uh, I want to get right into my message here. This is the last message on our sermon series entitled, Love the Verb, and I want to encourage you, if you want to follow along in your sermon notes, say a lot, of, I recognize I put a lot of notes out here, so I probably have a lot to say, so I better get to that this morning, but have you ever felt like for something that you, you were faked out, you, you saw something that you thought was so real, and you got faked out? Anybody ever been faked out before? I think we've all have been down that road. I, I remember uh, growing up in the when Nike began. Okay, went, that's way back. I'm taking it way back there. And when when it was the coolest thing in school that you had these Nike shoes and you had there were white shoes and then it had the, the, the black Nike swoosh. And that, those were the beginning. And, and I just thought it was so cool because my mom brought me home a pair. And I was, I was like, yes, you know, because I didn't know we could afford the, the, the Nike shoes and we had six kids and so we didn't always get things like this. And I was so excited and I, I went to school and I just made sure everybody saw my new Nike, Nike Swiss shoes and everything like that. And I had a, a kid sitting next to me and says, dude, where'd you get your shoes? I'm like, I don't know. My mom got them for me. Do you like them? He goes, those aren't Nike's like, well, what are you talking about? He goes, have you not looked at your shoes? And I reexamined it, my shoes, and it was some company that had a spinoff. They had the Nike swoosh, but it was upside down. An upside down Nike swoosh. And all of a sudden, these shoes are ruined. They're no good. I can't wear these anymore to school. I was so proud of them. And uh, it, ah, that was just real frustrating. And, and I don't know if you noticed my watch this morning. I'm sure a lot of people have come up to me and say, oh my gosh, is that a Breitling watch? Anybody ever heard a Breitling watch before? It's kind of up there with Rolex. So we're talking thousands of dollars, right? Some of you are asking, Pastor, where did you get all that money for that, for that Breitling watch? You want to know how much I paid for this? Anybody want to guess? They were close, 1995. No, but they had a special... I was in a marketplace in Cambodia, Phnom Penh. I hope I said that right, Cambodia. And I bought this Breitling watch, a $5,000 watch, for $10. $10. You know what I'm saying? And I got back and I could look what I got. Brightly watch. Until somebody pointed out to me, and I think I knew. I think I knew already. But somebody pointed out to me that's not a real watch. And I looked a little bit closer. And actually, if you look real close, you can see a hair. There's a hair in my watch. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I got a hair in there. Like, oh, man, you mean that's not the real deal? I so desperately wanted that to be the real deal. And, and I don't know, there, there's certain things that just bother me when things, when they present themselves as the real deal, and then you find out they're fake. If I could just do, do a rant here, there's a certain show, and I'm not going to tell you the name of the show, but it's a particular dating show that's been around close to 20 years. I can't believe it. It's been on, on the show, and they have two versions of it, and, and so how do you know what it is? How do you know what I'm talking about here? So they have two versions of it, and, and the way it goes is they have this bachelor or they have this bachelorette. But I'm not going to tell you the name of the show, all right? But they, but, but they had this bachelor, and, and he may have like these, this flock of 20 girls, and the show starts off, and he begins to whittle his, his way down by going out on dates with him when they like, yeah, yeah. And the whole premise, the whole premise, I can't believe, is, is that he's there on this show to find a wife. And it just, ah, it just kind of bugs me that, that that's not I don't know, I really wouldn't want my daughter and my son to to do it that way. It just seems like it's presenting itself as something that's so real, but it seems so false. It seems so fake, not real. Another one that just kind of gets my goat a little bit, and it just seems like in the past few years, you just want to sit down and what's happening in the world today? And you turn on the news, (laughs) And, and, and it just seemed like in the past few years they come up with an appropriate phrase for the news and they now call it fake news because I'm just looking for something that's real. I, I want to know, know the real. Tell me the real story. Tell me what is true. And, and I think that's what people are looking for with this thing called love the verb. I think people have been trying to find love through romantic relationships. I think people have been trying to find love and and connections and find it in all kinds of things. And I think that people are just sorely disappointed. They're really looking for the real deal. I ran across this video the other day. I think this is just a, a reflection of what the real deal looks like. Go ahead and watch this video.
1: Like clockwork, Ted Richardson arrives at the Veterans Cemetery at Punchbowl to visit Florence Richardson's grave. Six days a week, no matter the weather, he is there.
2: I always tell him when I go up there, uh, payback time.
1: Ted uses payback as a term of endearment. You see, he was 16 and Florence just 14 when they first met in their Pennsylvania town in 1941.
2: I went home and told my daddy that night. I saw the girl I was gonna marry. He said, what's her name? I said, I don't know. I I,
1: I didn't know. He enlisted in the Marines and fought through World War II. Her photograph went with him everywhere.
2: She was beautiful, so I mean, I I didn't mind looking at her all the time.
1: (laughs) They married after the war. Florence worked for the FBI and Ted became a school teacher. They enjoyed growing old together. They were married for 72 years until she passed away five years ago.
2: I owe her that much. For 72 years, she lost her temper only once in 72 years, and that was my fault.
1: That's what he means when he calls the visits payback. They are thank yous with flowers. And I use mini
2: carnations because when you first put them in, they're just buds, and then about three days later, they open up.
1: It takes Ted three bus rides from his Waikiki apartment to reach the foot of the cemetery where security staffers drive him up the hill. Since her burial at Punchbowl, Ted's visited Florence's grave more than 1,300 times.
2: They say, how do you keep track? Well, I have calendars and I mark them down every day when I come home.
1: Ted's 93 years old and he has planned ahead.
2: I'll keep going as long as I can go. God will tell me when I've had enough.
1: He arranged with his church to bring Florence flowers once a month, when he's dead and buried beside her. C S V D. If you wonder what devotion looks like, here it is. Jim Mendoza, Hawaii News Now.
0: Yeah, that's, that's what love looks like, yeah. I'm, I'm just curious, I'm just curious, who's, who's been married the longest here? Just go give me some shout-outs. If you think you're married the longest, go ahead and give me a shout-out. Tell me a year. What do do you think? Forty? Fifty-four. Anybody beat 54? Anybody beat 54? That deserves a round of applause. (laughs) That's what love is that's what love is and it's more than that god demonstrated for us what love is is that he gave his son jesus christ to die on the cross for your sins he paid the ultimate price for you in fact that's i'm starting a new sermon series starting next week and i'm really excited this is our easter sermon series we're calling it the good news and we're going to investigate this. We're going to we're going to really look into what does the good news mean? What does the gospel mean? And so, I want to encourage you in the following weeks, so would you please 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 pray and think about inviting a friend to this next sermon series. So, what what we what we know about love the verb, we've been talking about this. This is God's kind of love. And this is the Greek word for God's kind of love is agape or agapo. You can call it agapo love. And, and we know that, there's a, that it is a selfless kind of love. It is not self-full. Selfless, not self-full. It is sacrificial. It's not greedy. It doesn't demand that you give, but it loves to give itself. It is servant-hearted. It is not demanding. In fact, Paul talks about this. It's kind of an authentic kind of love that Paul talks about in Romans 12 9. And I think Paul is talking to this church in Rome. And I think maybe there is some confusion, maybe like we have today, of really what love is and how to live out and how important it is to live out this thing called love the verb. Listen to what he says here. Very candid words here. He says, he talks to this church. And he says, don't just pretend to love others you know, we can pretend to love others, you know. We can, we can kind of go through the motions, oh, I love you. But he says, no, really love. Really love people. And, and so, when you look at the different translations, the context of this is he, another Greek word that he'll use is, is hypocrite. Hypocrite. The dictionary says that a hypocrite is a person who pretends to have virtues, these religious beliefs or principles, but they really don't possess those things. It's somebody who is ingenuine, ingenuine. It is another example, a hypocrite back in those days, that was somebody who was an actor, and they wore a mask, so you couldn't really identify who that person really was. They were pretending to be somebody that they were not. Now, I have a prime example of this, when I was in my early years of college, that's when the whole, the first Iraqi war broke out with the United States. It wasn't that long ago, so stop trying to count how old I am. So, there was a, a, a classmate. I did not know this classmate very well, but he, it was the message got out that he had to leave in the middle of the semester and because he was called off he was in the special force i didn't know that i knew that he would wear like military garb around the campus and stuff but i didn't know he was in special forces wow that's kind of a big deal and then I, I, I heard that, you know, through the grapevine that, you know, he was involved in this helicopter crash, and he was one of only a few survivors. And like, so the people started getting together and, you know, started just praying and interceding for him, and then it got real quiet, and we didn't know. It was like, wow, wow, that's like a really big deal. And then, and then he showed up on campus, and he didn't look very injured, and then the story got out that it wasn't real, <laughs> He had just made up this story to impress his girlfriend. Ah, man, it's just, it's hard when you you think something's so real and and then it, it turns out to be fake. To say that you love, but it's not backed up with actions, it's not real. It is not real. You're just acting. And Paul warns against that. Paul challenges us not to live that way. And for some of you, you are living still. Some of you are living in the pain for somebody who acted out and you bought into the lie that they really loved you and accepted you, but then maybe betrayed you or hurt you or wounded you sometime later. And because of that wound, you are walking around like this, guarding your heart, guarding your heart from receiving love from others and, more importantly, from receiving God's love and so this is why this is why this is so important because as representatives of christ do you know that's what you are here this morning if you are a christ follower you are his representative and as his representative one thing that happened is you discovered god's love and when you discovered it you received it but we know this that we are called to live out god's love did you know that you are called to live out God's love, not man's love, not fake love, but you're called to live out God's love. And so that's kind of what we're doing here. We, we are, we've declared that 2021 is the year for moving forward. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to move forward in God's love. We're going to move forward living out love, the verb. We're going to live out the real thing. So in Romans 12, 10 through 21, I'm not going to read all these scripture verses for you, but it talks about, Paul talks about, he tells them, he says, this is what real love looks like. This is what the genuine love looks like. And what we're going to do is we're going to take apart this passage today because we see three themes. There are three ways that we can move forward, three ways that I would encourage you to just kind of dwell on, pray about. And just ask God to help you live this out as you move forward in 2021. And the first way that you live out genuine love, the first thing is most important, this is foundational, is that you stay humble. Stay humble. Verse 3, Paul says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Here's the warning don't think you're better than you really are (laughs) whoa be honest in your evaluation of yourselves measuring yourselves by the faith god has given us that was kind of humbling c.s lewis says this about humility he says true humility is not thinking less of yourself it's thinking of yourself less I think if we all were to admit it here, there is, and, and, and this is in our sin nature, okay? But there is just a little bit, maybe some more than others, but there's just a little bit of narcissism within all of us. Can, can we confess that? Just conf, you're not going to raise your hand if I tell you to raise your hand, but I think we can all. Conf, here's tell, here's my narcissism story. Back in a day, I used to as I drove my car, my sweet looking car to school each and every day, kind of a beat-up 1977 Camaro with the paint chipping off of it, there used to be, like, this building, it was like a tractor, tractor farm building, and it had, like, when you drove by it, you could see yourself on the windows. It had, like, these reflectors, you know, that, that you could see, and I would find myself Coming up on that tractor building, driving my car, seeing what I look like. <laughs> don't tell me I'm the only one who does that. Don't tell me. <laughs> Struggling, man. I need to see a counselor, right? <laughs> but I would just, ah, just looking at myself. And Paul's challenge is like, don't be so stuck on yourself that you can't see others. And we can do that. We can become so self-focused that we do not see the hurt and pain of others. Paul says, "Be humble. Stay humble. Stay humble." Because here's the challenge, and I've been in I've been a Christ follower for many years. And here's the challenge: here, as when I get caught up in my narcissism, okay, if I can admit that, I turn into this thing that it gets. It's a really ugly word. It's called. I turn into a Pharisee. And a Pharisee is, if you look through the Gospels, read through the Gospels, and that was like Jesus's like least favorite people. He loved them, but he, ah, you should see how he spoke to them, because these were people who were self-righteous, and when you become self-righteous, you have just this ability to point out all of the flaws and mistakes of other people's, whether they are Christ followers or not Christ followers. We just, Pharisees just love to just, Pack, 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 and how horrible the world is, and how sinful the world is, and how you need to stay away from the world and 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 stay away from people of the world, and and there's there's some element of truth like that, but you can take on the spirit of a Pharisee, and Jesus, in fact, Jesus said, "Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees." And what he's saying there is beware of, of becoming like that within your heart. But when we live out, when we're not humble and we become prideful, it's kind of an easy slant to move in that direction. And, and so Paul's challenging the Roman church and he says, don't be that guy. Can, can you just look at your neighbor right now and just say, don't be that guy or don't be that girl. Don't, don't be like that. Be humble. And when you, when you become humble, stay humble. Here's, here's how, and, it, and it's, it's a process. All of us are working through this. But can I tell you something that has helped me with my narcissism? <laughs> I find that when I have a daily connection, devoted connection time with God, this goes away. There's just something about my time with God every day that humbles me. And it's a good humble. The first word, the first phrase that I would say that is, when, I, when I, I'm disciplining with my time with God every day, it's kind of like a reality check. Because as I go in the presence of God, whether I, I've been getting out walking now, thank you, Lord, to warmer temperatures. I got a little bit of more arm movement here. Everybody said amen. I'm not bound up in that little sling of mine. And I'm getting out, and I'm walking around just spending time with God, and, and I'm just beginning to connect with Him. And I realize that He is God, and I am not. That's the first reality check. And so, all of a sudden, that pridefulness that I wake up with every morning, it just begins to fall a little bit more. So, it's not only a reality check, but it's a dependency. I've learned through this this whole shoulder surgery that I had here early January—I really tried not to, but I became dependent, and I really—I needed Michelle to help me in so many ways, and needed her to drive, and that was hum, that was being humble. And you know, if you ask Michelle, I, I maybe I'm a control freak. I really need to see a counselor, Nick. But I've also had to humble myself. And, and realized there was things I could not do on my own, and I had to go see a phys, I'm seeing a physical therapist, and he's helping me with my motions. And uh, give me a couple weeks, I'll arm wrestle any of you. I'll take you on, but uh, but I've had to humble myself and allow him to do things in my life. And because I've allowed him to do these things, I'm I'm becoming healthier. I'm healing. I'm becoming stronger. I'm becoming better because I'm submitting myself. I'm becoming dependent on them. Let me give you another example of what connection does. Connection opens up, connection with God, is it opens up more of my relationship with God. Write this thought down. Connecting with God puts you in the heart of God. Connecting with God puts you in the heart of God. How many of you have ever heard that phrase before, spirit reproduces spirit? Anybody ever hear that before? Spirit reproduces, I read it years ago and figured out what, what does that mean. How many of you have been in a workplace and you're just like, uh, oh, ah oh, and it's just like, an yeah, ugh workplace. And so what do you, you come home with this ugh all over you. And you just begin to act like, well, because you're around kind of that spirit because spirit reproduces spirit. But I notice that when I'm hanging around the spirit of God, and that's the first thing that I'm doing in the morning is filling my life with the spirit of God. All of a sudden, I'm walking throughout the rest of the day with the spirit of God on my life because spirit reproduces spirit. The more of the spirit of God that is in me, the more of the spirit of God that comes out in me. Are you with me this morning? And this keeps me humble because when I struggle to love other people, my love for God overcompensates for that. And it fills me. Look at verse 16. Paul says this. He says, I I want to challenge It's crazy how, you know, you think, how is this spiritual? Relationships, how is this spiritual? Paul says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people, and don't you think and, and don't think you know it all. And that's really disappointing because I thought I did know it all. That was a really disappointing passage to read that. But this is called discipleships. Discipleship happens best through the context of relationships, it happens best through the context of of relationships. And I don't know, how many of you have been a part of our life groups that have happened here in, in the past few weeks here? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that's how Jesus rolled with His, that's how He discipled His disciples. He would get together with them, and He would spend time with them in the context of relationships, and He would teach them the Word of God. And then He would say, hey, now watch me live it out, in your life. It happened in the context of relationships. And if I could just kind of give this commercial here, we're going to take a break, take a one-month break from life groups, and then we're going to start again in April and in May. And I want to encourage you, if you're looking to to, to grow in your relationship with God, it happens through the relationship of other believers, because spirit reproduces spirit. And I want to encourage you, get into A life group that's one of the strongest things that the most important thing you can do with your faith is get into a life group three ways to move forward and love the verb the first thing Paul tells us stay humble moving forward and love the verb it causes for you to stay humble second of all you need to honor others verse 10 Paul says love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Now, what does that word honor mean? The word honor means to regard others with great value and respect. People, people each and every one of us has this innate desire to be valued and to be respected. Treat, us with, treat people with respect. And when you honor someone, you are showing them that you value them. When you honor you show value. And I, I, Michelle and I, we want to say thank you. past few weeks, we've had our birthdays here kind of like, what, nine or ten days apart, and, and you have, you the church, you have just said the kindest things to us. You, you've blessed us in our services. Can we say thank you? Thank you. Thank you for that honor, because what you did is you're saying you have value, pastor, and we respect you, and I, and I hope that we can do the same in, in return. Everyone needs to be treated with respect. Everyone was created to be treated with respect, sometimes when they deserve it and sometimes when they don't. In fact, the the Bible even talks to us about honoring politicians, kings, and leaders, even when they are not being so honorable and their policies might not be so honorable we are still called to to honor our leaders. Paul challenges us to live in such a way so as honor naturally flows from our lives. Look at verse 17. He says, Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. You are a person who values and respects other people. Even when you're not a fan of those people, you still treat people with value and respect. So what does this look like? I think honor looks like this. Honor is treating others as you want to be treated. Jesus points out to us the golden rule in Luke 6.31, do to others as you would like them to do to you. So when you're, you're kind of in that, that situation and you're like, man, I really don't know how to handle this situation. This person's really irritated and really frustrated me. I don't know what to do. Well, Jesus said, hey, well, what, wait, wait, just time out here. How would you want to be treated in that situation? If you had done that, how would you, how would you want to be spoken to? Well, then go and do that. Well, if you're struggling with that, Well, then ask yourself, well, how would Jesus approach this situation? How would Jesus treat that person? And then follow that. You know, I think think what is so unique about Jesus, when you look through the Gospels, and I love this about Him, I love it, I love it. When you, you see stories after stories of Jesus connecting with people, He would connect with the sick. He would connect with the seekers, He would connect with people who are sinners. And the thing that I appreciate about Jesus the most is He would meet them right where they are. And Jesus knows exactly where you are in life. And He wants to meet you in your pain in your pursuit of Him, in your seeking, in your sin, whatever is going on in your life, that's where Jesus wants to meet you at. And He wants to grow you. He wants you to go to a different place. So that's what honor is, is is treating people the way you would want to be treated. Honor is listening. Listening. Seeking first to understand. I think one of the most dishonoring things that we can do is to talk down at somebody and not even listen to what they have to say. I think James gives us great advice when he says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. I think if we were to follow James' advice here, I think we would talk less. I think we would be more intentional about listening. I think we would have a lot less conflict in our lives if we were to talk less. Anybody say amen to that? Anybody want to say amen for your spouse? No, don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) Show honor show value by seeking first to understand. And I think one of the best ways that you can show honor is to add value through ministry. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians to give yourselves to the work of the Lord. You know, each and every one of you is called to the ministry. If you are a Christ follower here today, you are an M&M, Right? Everybody remembers that? What does M&M stand for? That you are both a minister and a missionary. You are called to minister. Romans 12, 11, 13 says, Paul says, don't be lazy, but work hard to serve the Lord enthusiastically. He's talking about ministry here. He says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying when God's people are in need. Be ready to help them. That's what ministry is, helping people in need. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Ministry. The, the, the Greek word really it means to serve, to serve others, to, to see the needs that are in other people's lives and to meet that need through ministry. Ministry is about giving ourselves, our time, our talents, our resources to bless others in need. I was reading this book by John Maxwell called Today Matters. And he says in this book, we have been created by God to serve. We've been created to give. He says, the dirty little secret is success is not how much you get, it's how much you give. He talks about the the, again the dirty little secret is that we're finding we're looking for so many things in life to bring fulfillment in our lives, and the fulfillment really happens when God works in us and through us to be able to meet the needs of those who are in need. Our mission statement as a church: we are to lead people in the seven one five to become life-giving followers of Jesus. This happens in the context of ministry. Somebody said this, to win people to Jesus, we must love and serve ministry, love and serve ministry, them to where they are, not where we wish them to be. I remember just a wee little man, four years old. We had just moved from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where I, I was born, and, and then at age four, we moved to Canton, Ohio. All of our relatives lived out east in Maryland and Pennsylvania in that area. And my parents were the, the, the rebels and they moved. And I'll, I'll never forget I, I don't know why this memory is so close to my mind. Six kids, my parents were feeling kind of alone and they were shopping for a church. And I, I'll never remember that, I'll never forget that first Sunday walking through the doors. The greeters. I think the greeters are the most important people in a church. Who are the greeters at Thrive Church? Can can you just raise your hand if you're a greeter here at Thrive Church? Can we just give a shout-out for the greeters of Thrive Church? (laughs) So because my parents are kind of on the edge there and just like looking for something, and I'll never forget these two couples. I remember their names. Kermit and Alice Snyder. Don't you love that name, Kermit? Kerman and Alice Snyder, Bob and Elsie Vance. These two older couples, I mean, when, they, when we first walked through the door, they just, like, embraced my parents. They became kind of their parents away from, uh, away from home. And they just started embracing and started messing around with us kids and started having fun with us, like, right off the bat. We felt so welcome. We felt so accepted. We felt so loved at that church right away and it was a relationship that continued on in fact Elsie Vance lived with us lived with my parents and when her husband Bob passed away lived with my parents for over 16 years that's what ministry looks like investing your lives into those who are hurting and in need three ways to to move forward quickly here stay humble honor others extend grace this this is probably the toughest one grace is this Grace is God's favor toward the unworthy. Well, that's kind of God's job, right? I mean, because we're saved by grace, we, we, you cannot, let me just reiterate this, you cannot get to God without receiving God's grace through His Son, Jesus Christ. Just let me make that clear. We'll talk about that here in the coming weeks, but it's through God's grace. But Paul tells us that this grace is often the opposite of what we want to do. How many of you have found that out? <laughs> because the person I, I, you know, who's maybe bothered me or frustrated me, I want to give them this, but Paul says to give them grace. He says this, verse 14, Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God would bless them. That's the last thing I want to do for somebody who just got up in my craw. Bless your persecutors. Pray for your persecutors let me continue. Verses 18 through 20, I wish Paul would mind his own business. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Instead, leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the Scripture says, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Paul just said, be careful. Be careful about your pursuit of taking revenge. What if you were to just leave the injustice that happened to you? What if you just left that in the hands of God? And I know I've been told by a special little lady up here uh, sitting in front, just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. But what if we were to just trust God? to take care of our pain. And what if, just what if, we were to respond by doing good to our enemy? And Paul tells us, he reiterates this. Verse 21, he says, be careful, listen to me. Some of you are just kind of a, mm, just, you got this going on in your life because you can't let this go. But he says in verse 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Guard your hearts. In closing, Colossians three thirteen, Paul gives us an example of what grace looks like. He says, "Make allowance for each other's faults." In the NIV, it says, "Bear with each other." I love that phrase: "Bear with," put up with other people who are frustrating, yeah, and make you like a bear, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, remember, remember. The Lord forgave you. Grace. So you must forgive others. Grace. It's hard. I think one of the most compelling stories I heard about, heard this when I was just a kid, and it was just, I just couldn't even fathom it. An evangelist by the name of Corey Tinboon, some of you have heard of, of this famous lady, this famous elderly lady who was an, became quite an evangelist. In the early '40s, her and her family was were discovered by the Nazis that they were hiding Jews, and so they were they were put into a concentration camp. And there's even a a movie made by it. And they went through quite a bit of persecution, both her and her sister. And they escaped the concentration at the end of the war. They got out of the concentration camp, and and she became a great evangelist. And it was just a few short years later that she was speaking at a crusade and just sharing her testimony, the healing power and the grace of God. And she writes about this in her book, she, and she tells the story of how she was speaking, and at the end, people are coming up to greet her, and she's shaking hand and praying with people, and she recognized a gentleman who was working his way towards her, and she recognized his face because it was a face that she could never forget. It was a prison guard who took part in the persecution of herself and her sister in terrible ways. And when you're in moments like that, all the memories kind of flash before you, and she just kind of went through that that moment and just, I had just spoken about grace, and now I'm confronted with it, and (laughs) how am I going to deal with this? A gentleman walked up to her and confessed, do you remember me? Yes, I remember you because I did a lot of horrible things to you, but you just told me about this man named Jesus Christ, and I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior tonight, and I'm asking that you would forgive me for the things I've done to you. Grace. God's grace. He did just one thing to extend. Love the verb. I would say, be full of grace. Be full of grace live out god's grace past few weeks we've been intentional about living out love the verb we have the 40 days of love the verb challenge to prepare us for easter what easter is all about and so each and every week we've been giving you a verb to live by we've talked about we're gonna we're gonna listen more the next week we're gonna we're gonna accept people maybe we don't understand accept people who are different than us this past week, we're, we're going to comfort. I, I hope each and every week you're being challenged with one of these verbs. And, and so this week, we've chosen this verb. Again, using Paul's advice here. This week, we're going to forgive. I think for some of you leading up to Easter, this is one of the most important things that you can do is ask God to forgive you and to ask God to help you to forgive somebody else. Because that's what the cross is all about. We're going to move into a time of communion right now. And I hope that each and every one of you were served one of the elements this morning. If you have not received one of these cups, would you please raise your hand? We invite you. We serve an open communion here at Thrive Church. My only strong recommendation, encouragement for you is that Jesus is the Lord of your life. You know, Jesus is not the Lord of your life. Can we, just, can we just do that right now? If you are here or you're watching online and, and you can say, I do not have peace with God. You can have peace with God right here, right now. Jesus is always only a prayer way. Just pray with me just this morning. Just say, God, I need you. God, I, I have been looking for love in all of the wrong places And I need your grace today. I need your forgiveness. I'm acknowledging that you are God. I'm acknowledging that you went to the cross for my sins and that you rose again on the third day and that I can have eternal life through you. And I'm choosing today to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Bible says that if you have prayed that prayer, that all of heaven is rejoicing. Can we just rejoice with heaven today? I believe people all around have prayed for that prayer. So we remember God's grace for us. Let us never forget God's act of love, his demonstration of love, the verb for us. And so Jesus is trying to explain to his disciples at a dinner before Passover dinner before before he's to be taken away and he took a piece of bread and he broke it before his disciples he, he said this is my body which is broken for you you see Jesus was talking about he was going to go to the cross he was going to willingly lay down his body as a sacrifice for you and before we partake of this bread let's just say thank you thank you, God, right where you're at. Just say, thank you, God. Let's partake. Jesus took the, the cup. It was filled with wine. He told his disciples, he says, this wine, it represents my blood, which is going to be spilled out for you. Because when there's a sacrifice, there will be spilled blood. But this represents a new covenant. A new covenant. In this covenant, you are going to be able to have, a, find a way to God through the blood of Jesus, your sins will be covered. And so, Lord, we we call out to you and we say thank you. We thank you, Lord, that the blood is what sets me free. I'm a new creation because of your sacrifice, because of the blood, and because of that we say thank you. Let's partake together. Thank you, God. Just right where you're seated, just say, just call out to God. Maybe you want to Lift up your hands. Just lift up your hearts. Let's just take a moment here. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And Lord Jesus, that you would humble yourself to come to this earth and die for me. Become man and die for me. That, Lord, you would honor. You would live a life of honor. And you you came to serve, not to be served. Thank you, God. And, Lord, I thank you for extending grace to me. Now, Lord, help me to go out and extend grace to others through love the verb. No more being fake. I'm gonna be the real deal. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And let's give God another shout out this morning. Thank you, God, for who you are. Hey, this is Sheldon Miles here, pastor at Thrive Church. And I wanna thank you for watching this video. And if it impacted you in any way, I want to encourage you to do three things. First, become a part of the Thrive Church family by subscribing and following us. Make sure to join us on our Facebook page every Sunday. Second thing is share. Share with your friends, coworkers, and the people around you. The final thing, consider partnering with us financially. If this ministry is impacting you, I would ask you to pray about what you can give to help us take this message to the entire 715. And as always, we want you to know that you are welcome accepted, and loved here at Thrive Church. And remember, you were created to thrive. We'll see you.